I'm your host, Bruce. It's episode 101, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing okay. Good, good. You know what? It's nice to have you back. It felt really weird to do episode 100 without you, but it had to get done. The show had to go on. And so, but it was good to get it done, but it, felt, it feels good to have you back tonight, my friend. So, how's the great state of Texas treating you tonight? The, you know that weather that I've been telling you we've been getting? Well, in, yeah, we don't seem to be getting it anytime soon. Thing. It's been, honestly, it feels more like summer now than it does spring. Really? Like, so what, what did yeah. you get up to today? And I think the high today was 88. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's warm. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, fill you in a secret yeah. there, Lux. We had snow today. We were, like, snowing, and it was a day of gross. So, welcome to Canada. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, audience, you might have heard there was another voice there that joined us. So, we're joined on the line by our esteemed friend from the Lotus Council. He's a judge. He's got a dreamy voice for radio. Please welcome to the show, Liam. Liam, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, it's uh, To preempt your question, it's uh, very nice here in California. There's a balmy 75 and sunny. Oh, man. Are so, you, uh, are you, are you, you know. In, are you in NoCal or are you in SoCal? Uh, well, we call it Northern California, but the farther north you go, the, the farther north the line moves. Uh, we're, I'm in the Bay Area, so uh, San Jose, California. You're in NoCal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that'd be, that, that sounds lovely. I'm not going to lie. I kind of am jealous. Like, we're not going to see 75 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit till um, probably mid-May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then we'll actually get about two weeks of spring before it gets so hot that it'll just, like, it's like you know, whatever 30 degrees Celsius or more is here. Like, I think that's like mid-80s again. Like, it'll be that hot in about, in the span of about two weeks. It goes from like in the 50s to like in the 80s, like that. Because, well, you wouldn't want to have in-between stages. You wouldn't want to have like actual shoulder seasons, like seasons of weather. Like, we get, like, goes from winter, and then we have like a gross, like, slowly melting phase, and then it's hot. And then we have like hot, and then it gets like real cold real fast. Like the temperature jumps off a cliff and it gets absolutely Baltic. So anyway, that's, that's how the seasons in, in Canada go. Um, and in between, we have construction. <laughs> like, because the highway, because all the highways get torn up all summer long. Everyone just agrees that no one should really travel anywhere by car all summer long because the roads are all torn up. And then we all agree we shouldn't travel all winter because the snow is too high. So we don't travel in the winter. So we just don't travel. We just sort of stay put, uh, dig out, and then and watch the and then watch the the this the all the street pavers like pave over the the potholes again. So that's 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 that is the circle of life in Canada. Um, anybody out there who is Canadian can attest to this. Um, that this is how it works. This this is just how it is in Canada with the weather. You know, there we go. That makes sense to me. Really, does it? I mean, when, when I mean, sure. Are, like, you, you guys, you guys export mainly uh, hockey and maple syrup, right? So, seems uh, like the weather conditions will be right for either one of those. 
Well, yeah, this is definitely maple syrup season. So, like, if if audience, if you're ever wanting to get like genuine, real deal, and no like this Butterworth like fake pancake table syrup stuff, you got to come now. Come, come to Canada now. Bring your bring your rubber boots. Bring your 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 coats and mitts and hats. But come and check out all the maple syrup, and uh, you're gonna like you you'll be very you'll be very pleased that you did because it's uh, it is delicious. And yeah, is what we export. Uh, the hockey. I mean, I mean, can't we just DoorDash it? I mean, I'm Californian after all. Um, uh, we don't really do DoorDash here in Canada. You, like, I know what it is, but like Uber Eats is really kind of where we stop. It doesn't. We don't really have the competition. To DoorDash that really. We would have like. Be, would it be DoorDash? We have DoorDash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe this is like our boots. Our boot. The boot time. Yeah, hoser. Anyway, <laughs> sorry that was that was a weak joke. I apologize. It's okay. I picked it up. I picked up what you're putting down. All right. You did. You did. A little little uh, housekeeping, folks. We've got um, just if you remember, if you like what you hear on the show, you can find all of our episodes at thelotuscouncil.com, um, along with all sorts of other great content, including deck techs. Uh, there's a there's a podcast. Uh, that's us. There's a Twitch stream because uh, WoWo was on the old Twitter device uh, tw- uh, and the Twitch device today having a go on Arena. Um, there's box breaks because I know uh, Court's getting one lined up for the new set that's dropping. So lots of cool stuff. And of course, there is the Discord that is free to join and full of lovely people who love to talk Magic the Gathering and in particular, lots of great people who like to talk about EDH. So come in. Come and check out the Discord. It is free. It doesn't cost you anything. And once you get in there, you're going to see all the great value. You can like, work out trades. You can work out spell table games. You can work out uh, building that new deck and collaborating with somebody on there for some great ideas. It's just a really, really uh, positive, supportive, uh, really terrific place to get involved in a great community online. So if you're looking for someplace new to spend your time because you know, the existing communities you're part of maybe not aren't so hot, come and check out LotusCouncil.com. Tell them Lux and Bruce sent you, and you're going to be treated pretty nice, and you're going to be, it's going to be a pretty good place for you to come and hang out. All right? So come and check out LotusCouncil.com. Now, something I forgot to put in here, folks. Don't forget to stick around to the end of the show to find out how you can be entered in our latest giveaway. We are giving away a full-on deck. That's right. I'm going to be building Killian, uh, so the black-white, um, target your own stuff, and uh, beat you in the face. And uh, we're going to give it away to some lucky listener who sticks around to the end of the show to find out how you can win it. So, yeah, there's that. All right. So, tonight we have our show is broken up into three segments. We've got Garbage or Great. We've got our Rules Talk, which is why we brought on Liam, because he's, he's our judge. He's going to help us out with a few of these rules interpretations. And then if time permits, we'll see, I don't know, it's gonna get late tonight. We have a deck, but that maybe could wait a week or two if we need to get to there. All right, so are you ready to go, Lux? Yep, let's go. All right, here we go. So we've got up first, for garbage or great, we have All Seeing Arbiter, which is a brand new card out of uh, Streets of New Capenna. Let's read this. Four blue blue creature avatar. This is a mythic. All right. It's a 5-4 with flying. Whenever all-seeing arbiter enters the battlefield or attacks, draw two cards, then discard a card. 
And then whenever you discard a card, target creature an opponent controls gets minus X minus O until your next turn, where X is the number of different mana values among cards in your graveyard. Uh, hmm. Lux, what do you think? I'm honestly <laughs> not sure. Yeah, this is a weird card. Um, so, folks, let's be real. Like, let's break this down to its composite parts. All right. Six mana for a 5-4 flyer. Does that feel like a good return, Lux? Would you pay six mana for a 5-4 flyer normally? Honestly, not really. No, it feels like a little underrate, doesn't it? Like, I yep. feel like we can... Like, six mana should get me a bigger creature than a 5-4. Right? Like, Mahamodi Dijin is a six mana vanilla, or French vanilla 5-6. So, so let's go look at these other abilities. Because it's, like... If we're going to spend this much mana on a creature that is under undersatted, there's got to be some sort of tangible benefit here. So you have to enter the battlefield or attacks. You draw to discard one. So it's like super loot. And so he enters the battlefield and it's, or attacks. Now, I'm not sure how much attacking you're going to get to do with this card. I'm just going to be very, very blunt here, folks. I feel like this card gets outclassed in the air fairly easily, right? Like, if your opponent has a dragon, or if your opponent has an angel, or if your opponent has a number of, of fairy rogue tokens floating around, I feel like All-Seeing Arbiter probably, you know, clowns them. Like, gets, just, gets just clowns by them. Like, I don't think this is, like, a particularly good card on stat like that alone so like drawing two discarding one is not great right like does, does, does this make sense to this point so far yeah because you know they people want cards that will clown on others they don't want cards that will easily be clowned on yeah exactly so it's got, so this last clause has got to be something that's going to matter so whenever you discard a card target creature and opponent controls gets minus x minus o until your next turn or X the number of different mana values among cards in your graveyard. Okay, so whenever you discard a card, that includes things like you cycle, or you channel, or you loot by some other means, or, like, I don't, like, I have a number of different ways to discard to, and that's going to allow you to shrink your opponent's blockers down to a point where you can now trigger All-Seeing Arbiter. All right, so like if your opponent has four rogues, well, you're going to get a discard when you when you choose to attack with All-Seeing Arbiter. Maybe you channel a card out. Maybe you cycle a card. Maybe you, I don't know, whatever else you do. Like another, you have a Merfolk Looter or something in play. So you get to discard four cards and then turn, then you shrink those four 1-1 one, one tokens into zero ones. Because you have different casting costs in your graveyard, and you can attack, trigger it again, draw more cards, discard more cards. Like, feels like a lot of work. <laughs> That's what I'm coming up with here. This feels like a lot of work, and I don't think it's particularly going to, like, it's not really, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, is what I'm coming up with here. Lux, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right. 
Like, it's a neat card. And, like, I could see this being, like, a complimentary player in something like a Riel deck. Like, if you're playing Riel, you could, this might want to go in there with Riel. Because now that discard feature isn't as much of a drawback. Because <laughs> you're drawing more cards and you're presumably cycling through a lot of cards quickly with Riel. But, I mean, I don't think this is going to see a lot of play. It feels like it's a lot of work to get not a huge payoff. And I feel like we can do a lot better for six mana in our commander decks these days. So I'm kind of out on it, kind of think it's trash. Unless our judge is missing, is seeing something that I'm missing when it comes to All-Seeing Arbiter. Liam, tell me I'm, tell me I've totally misunderstood how uh, All-Seeing Arbiter works and that it's actually good. This card is actually really good. Oh. Uh, I think it really depends on the format, though. I am not a commander player, so I don't have a lot of context there. I can see that it's definitely not at the power level of many of the mythics that I see in commander. On the other hand, my favorite format to play is limited. Uh, this is a limited bomb, oh. especially when you're looking at some of the new mechanics. Uh, for example, connive, right? With connive, you're discarding a card every time that ability triggers. This is a this is a flyer in blue, and uh, connive is obscura, which is black, blue, and white. So even just you know your your regular blue white uh, archetype flyer deck, this is going to be a bomb in uh, in limited for for new capenna. All right, all right. So I can I can see that. So yeah, I would agree. In limited, I think this is particularly since um, the consensus is that generally speaking, in limited, the set has is um, has got a large number of smallish creatures. So if, with that being the case, this is going to rule the sky, so to speak. And you're right. Like if this goes in a Rafine commander deck i'm switching it back to commander because that's what we kind of do uh but if this goes in place in with the connive of rafine then you could potentially discard a lot of cards and so whenever you attack target attacking so i'm reading rafine whenever you attack target attacking creature connives x where x the number of attacking creatures so if you attack with a large number of creatures let's say you attack with a bunch of like like you make an esper's flying man deck which I've heard talk of already being potentially a thing. And you, let's say you attack with four other creatures and your uh, all-seeing arbiter. You're going to connive five times, means you're going to discard five cards, meaning you're going to shrink all your blockers down to, like, essentially Zippo. Like, I can't imagine they're going to have much in the way of power left. And then you're going to have profitable attacks for days. So... I can see that with uh, Connive. Still feel like it's very niche as far as cards go. Um, and oh, for sure, think, for sure, yeah. Which you know what, like, which I think is probably good for the for the format. Like, what this is going to do is it's going to be a very select number of decks that are going to want to play this card. Meaning you're not going to see it all the time. It's not going to be like your generic staple. Um, it's not going to be like. What, what what's going to be an example of a card you're going to see in every single deck? Um, like I kind of feel like Bootlegger Stash is going to be the sort of green card that lots of green decks are going to gravitate towards and play lots of it. Um, you know, I think lots of players are going, lots of decks are going to play Luxior because Luxior is going to be if you play any sort of Planeswalkers. Now Luxior is just gas. 
All-Seeing Arbiter is not as generically powerful across multiple decks, but with Rial and, and uh, Rafine and a few others, it could be an interesting inclusion. So I kind of give like, d development a thumbs up on that one because it's an interesting card that you're going to have to slot it into the right deck. That said, I still think it's six mana and the stats, the raw stats we're getting here, I think we're going to have to, like we almost demand a little bit more from our cards. So I can see this one being a very early cut in somebody's Rafine deck or somebody's, um, or in somebody's Riel deck because if you get caught on the back foot, this isn't digging you out of a jam. Like this is going to allow you to continue to push more damage and beat people in the face. Oh yeah, yeah. This is definitely a win more card. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, I think I'm coming down on the side that this isn't this like great limited card. I could even maybe see it getting getting used to some to some extent in uh, in constructed and standard, but I don't think it cuts the mustard here for us in commander. I think it's going to be perhaps a fringe inclusion, but more. I think it's going to be on the outs more often than not. Lux, any last thoughts on uh, our, our friend All-Seeing Arbiter? Eh, not really. No? All right. Fair enough. All right. All-Seeing Arbiter, I think we're going to com come down on the side that you're mostly garbage with a sprinkling yeah. of... Yeah. With a sprinkle of not-so-garbage in the right builds. <laughs> All right. So is this uh, is this podcast uh, basically commander based? Like, oh, I don't yes. I don't know why I didn't pick up on that before. Oh yes, we are very much a commander based podcast. Ah, okay. Yes, that that makes a lot of sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, which brings us to our mechanics tonight, there, Liam. So we've gone. Through, so I, what I've done here in the show notes, our audience, and you can't see it, but I've pulled out the original Wizards document that has a description of all the mechanics. And they're kind of wordy. So we're going to see if Liam can help us understand what these mechanics do uh, in a more succinct fashion so people understand what we're going down to, going down to do. All right, so let's get going here. There, uh, We have connive as our first mechanic. So, Liam, what is the connive mechanic asking us to do? Okay, so connive is the obscura... Uh... What is it? Clan? Family? Family, family right? The Obscura Family Mechanic. I, I do want to preface this, uh, this rules information by saying that the, uh, the comprehensive rules have not yet been updated at the time of this recording. So anything that I say that I might get wrong, it's not my fault. I, I haven't seen the rules. The good news is... <laughs> but this one seems pretty straightforward. The, the good news is, Liam... Sorry? The good news is, is if, if the rules come out and you got it wrong, no one's going to know the difference. So There you go. That's right. Is that... Is that is that a, is that a comment about your your listenership or? Uh, any... No, it's just the fact the fact that people are gonna, <laughs> people are going to forget very quickly. So anyway. Oh yeah, fair enough. Help us out. Fair connive. Enough. No, yeah. So connive. Uh, connive is pretty straightforward. Connive is an ability word that indicates uh, an uh, an ability that says whenever uh, when a creature you control is instructed to connive, you loot. That is, you draw a card and discard a card. And if you discard a non-land card, you put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature that connived. It's important to note that as the ability is on the stack, even if the creature is removed once the ability is on the stack, you still loot. You just don't do the plus one, plus one counter. Oh. That's disappointing. 
Fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, you can't get rid of the connive ability by by removing the creature, unfortunately. Right. For so, I guess unfortunately for the person that wants their person not to loot. Right. Yeah. So they're go so they're gonna get the draw and the and the discard. They just won't get the benefit of the plus one plus one counter should they discard uh, a, a non land card. That one does seem rather right. straightforward, and I like it appears on a few of the commons and uncommons and sort of like an infrequent basis. Like the one true like I think payoff is Rafine scheming seer. Um, that is, you know, we were just talking about here. I think is being a very potent and powerful uh, engine to drive a uh, to drive a uh, connive deck. But there's some other mechanics that I think are going to play into that pretty well. Their audience that you might want to look to if you're looking at connive. Because I think Lux, what was the mechanic you picked up on that went played really well with Rafine? I forgot what it was. Oh, geez. Oh, it wasn't Scry. It was uh, the other one. Lux, help me out here, man. You're muted again, Lux. <laughs> <You're... laughs> I've been speaking this entire time. I forget I was muted. <laughs> All right. So, what's what's the other mechanic? Is it that goes with this one so well? Oh, Surveil. Surveil, you picked it up last time. Surveil, yeah, Rafine's going to play real well with, like, deck, top of your deck manipulation um, because you're going to uh, you're gonna have a lot better control about what's on top of your deck, what you want to discard, what you don't want to discard, um, and sort of sh crafting a really powerful, potent hand with all the answers because you're going to have seen so many cards. So... Um, I like Rafine's going to be a really interesting card to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of yep. aggressive decks in Esper colors that are going to all of a sudden um, be a real problem to contend with. Lux, any thoughts? It's like you said, Nunling. Like, like Rafine can really pay into the whole surreal mechanic, like top deck, like control your deck's draw. Yeah, I think it's going to be an, a, a, a real strong element into that deck, into those sorts of decks. Okay, next we have Casualty. What is Casualty doing, Liam? Like, I feel like this card, this is could be very potent, but uh, it feels kind of weird. So help us out. Sure. So Casualty is the uh, family mechanic for the Maestros. Blue, black, red, my favorite uh, tricolor in Magic. Oh, okay. Casualty is an optional additional cost that appears on some cards in the form of casualty N, where N is a number uh, one or greater. Uh, and that says, casualty N, as you cast this spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power N or greater. When you do, copy this spell. So for example, if a card has casualty one, and you cast that card, uh, you may then sacrifice a creature as an additional cost with power one or greater to make a copy of your spell. Okay, and so, okay, can now can I copy that copy again? Because like, no, because uh, when you copy a spell, you're not casting it, and so you cannot pay additional costs. Oh, uh, okay, so I can't like fork my copied casualty spelly thing, whatever I'm doing, right, with a fork, because if I've paid into right. okay, which is good to know, because somebody's right. going to want to try and do that. 
You're going to want to try and fork the thing they casualtied and get like a bajillion things, which is like how we end up with infinite forking loops and people going crazy on the stack and dying to storm counts. Anyway, good to know that it's got a, a fail-safe measure in it that you can't just yeah, built, in. built in, so you just can't let it go full-on crazy. Um, yeah, so let's have a quick look at a card with maybe with the with the uh, casualty mechanic. Uh, we're not going to talk about the big one we're going to talk about in our show notes um, because that, we're going to talk about that. We'll have that discussion in due course. Let's find something that has um, this sort of mechanic on it. Where did it where did it go? I cannot find one right now. Obviously not, not that popular a card if it's not our mechanic. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. There's plenty of cards I know. Uh, where did it go? Mm, no. No. This is good podcasting right here, audience. Thank you for sticking with us. Right. This is like dead air. Yeah, well, you know, it's, you know. <laughs> you can just cut it out later. Yeah. Oh, here is, here's one. Rob the Archives. One in a red for a sorcery. Casualty one. Exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. So you get, like, you know, the impulse draw, and you get to copy it if you sacrifice a 1-1 one, one goblin token, which, actually, that seems like pretty good. You sack your token, you get you spend two mana, and you get to see four cards. I kind of like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty strong. That's a strong, that's a strong ability. This card's probably going to see play. I, <laughs> and yeah. I just read it. Ah, where have I been? All right, so yeah, I think the card... And you know, if, if you want to sacrifice your All-Seeing Arbiter, you can also do that. It doesn't have to be exactly the power one. You can be sure, one or You more. could sack the expensive six-mana Mythic you just, you just cast. <laughs> that's right that's right that's i mean it's garbage it is, right it is it is garbage as, we, as, as determined so yeah um but yes so casualty is interesting all right next it brings us to blitz uh what is what is blitz all about liam so blitz is the riveteer family abil- uh, ability and it's uh blitz is an alternative cost uh that appears on creature cards as you, it says, uh, Blitz, and then the cost. If you cast this spell for its Blitz cost, it gains haste, and when this creature dies, draw a card. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So this reminds me of another uh, red mechanic from the Cons of Tarkir block, I believe, right? It was, uh, what was that mechanic oh, called? Dash. I should have looked this up beforehand. Dash. dash. Right, very much like Dash, except instead of going back to your hand, uh, you sacrifice it. But it cantrips when you uh, play Blitz. Right. Like, I've been thinking of this more and more like cycling, more so than like Dash. Like, you have the da- you have your site, your Blitz cost, which gets you a body on the board temporarily, and then you cycle it away for a card. And maybe in the interim you get to do something cool with it, but like if you think of it as a fail, like at at the bottom level of this card, this card is kind of like cycling. I know it's not really because you don't; it's not actually discarding the card, but it's kind of cycling esque. Where if you like, let's say your uh, Jax is the troublemaker has been outclassed as it because it's a two two, 
now you can cast the blitz thing. You can, you know, throw it away or you can, you know, not or whatever. But you're going to draw another card deeper in your deck at the end at your end step, which I think um, for a lot of people that's going to be a pretty good reason to run cards with cheap blitz costs. Um, there are cards that are have expensive blitz costs, like Workshop Warchief, which is a four green green for a, as a blitz cost. But if you just spend three green green, you get a five three. So I mean, like I want to spend six mana on my blitz cost because that feels like really expensive but here we have riveteers requisitioner and it's one it's one in a red for a three one or you can blitz it out for two in a red and it says when riveteer uh requisitioner dies create a treasure token so you're going to get a treasure token and a card for three mana and i feel like that's a pretty good exchange particularly if you can like throw it into something and like smash like smash your opponent so i feel like that's a pretty good exchange anyway i think the mechanics kind of neat i think you have to be careful about what you're what you're choosing to blitz out lux you 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 like like this shows up in jund colors which means it's got green do you think green decks are going to be interested in in hasty things Honestly, and they could be, and they just depends on the, you know, it's just like with in other mechanics, they they have a specific deck that you have to in it, build around it. And if you ask me, like, I don't see this working well with mono green, but oh, no. in the case of like either Jund or even like Gruul or Teamer, like that, nothing, like anything with green and red, because you know the haste is all red's thing. Yeah. I think I agree with you on that point. I think that like this is going to go really well. If you're playing in a in a in a in a gruel deck with uh, with maybe a Xenogod as your commander or Helena and Elena, and you're going to have hasty things that are going to be big and smashy smashy, it might be it might be right in your wheelhouse. So I kind of like that one. Okay, next we've got uh, oh, somebody just drove away. We have Alliance. Sorry about that. That's oh, my that's window. Okay. <laughs> you have Alliance. You, you see, you can open your window. See, I can't. Uh, it's still cold. Uh-huh, it's still that's cold true. Here. Right, Alliance. What is Alliance, Liam? Uh, Alliance is the Cabaretti family ability. And uh, it's pretty straightforward. Alliance is an ability word uh, that highlights triggered abilities that trigger whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your own control. So Alliance on a card means that this creature or this... Uh, Permanent is going to uh, have an ETB trigger whenever another creature ETBs under your control. Right. So we have an example of Venom Connoisseur, which is one in a green for a 2-2 human druid with alliance. Whenever another creature enters a battlefield under your control, Venom Connoisseur gains death touch until end of turn. If this is the second time this ability has resolved this turn, all creatures you control gain death touch until end of turn. Which could be Ooh. that could be um, fun. Now about this alliance ability, can I trigger it at instant speed? Can you trigger it if you have a flash creature? Certainly. Or if I have an Oketra who makes tokens, I can spend mana at instant speed and make tokens and trigger this as a combat trick to ambush people. Yes, absolutely. Oh boy. 
Absolutely. This is going to be fun, Lux. I'm going to have a good time. Now, question the way Alliance is worded. If I do something like Secure the Wastes and cast it a big X spell, making a whole bunch, does Alliance trigger on each instance of, t- of tokens in the battlefield or just raw number of tokens entering into play? So since it says whenever another creature... That's going to be one trigger for each creature that enters the battlefield. So if I secure the wastes for like four, I can now trigger a Venom Connoisseur and it's going, to get the, like it's going to get the double trigger and now all my things have Death Touch and I get to ambush my opponent for Death Touch and die. Yes. Well, that sounds delightful. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I want some Venom Connoisseurs and some Token Makers. Because I'm a bad person, Lux. What do you think, Alliance? You're gonna, are you gonna, do you think this is gonna be something people want to play with? And it could be, and you know, just a, it's like and I was saying earlier, and then that each mechanic has a specific deck type that you build around it, See, and you know, and then yeah, it's just like with Cyril, like not every deck is going to work well with it. No, I, I think this one though is suitably open ended. That really, in order to trigger it, the only requirement you have is you have to cast creatures. Which I think in today's um, the way that Commander is being driven, more, more and more decks are keen on playing creatures. And so I feel like just triggering Alliance, like there are going to be Alliance cards worth playing. I don't think it's going to be the sort of card that, like, sort of cards that triggers an entire new archetype. I think these are going to be cards that slot into decks that are predicated on making lots of creatures. <coughs> and uh, Venom Connoisseur might see herself um, quite a bit of play, I think. Anyway, that's my own thought. All right. Um, the Brokers have shield counters. So what about shield counters? So shield counters are... Uh... I, want to, I don't want to say they're a new type of counter because shield counters have appeared in Magic in the past. But these particular shield counters uh, provide two benefits. So when a creature has a shield counter on it, well, rather, when a permanent has a shield counter on it, uh, in this case, a permanent would refer to a creature or a planeswalker because those are the two types of creatures that can uh, take damage. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. If a permanent with a shield counter on it would be destroyed by an effect Instead, a shield counter is removed from the permanent, and the creature is not destroyed. So this sounds like a replacement effect to me. Uh, so all the replacement effect rules apply. That is to say, for example, replacement effects cannot be responded to. So as a replacement effect, if, if it takes effect, and the shield counter is removed instead of the creature being destroyed, you cannot respond to that effect. It just happens. <laughs> oh. Oh, go the ahead. other go ahead. thing that a shield counter... Oh, oh go ahead. Read example of a card. Okay, the, sec- oh, the second benefit works against damage. So if a permanent with a shield counter on it would be dealt damage, that damage is prevented and a shield counter is removed from the permanent. Uh, fortunately, uh, this applies to all sorts of damage. Uh, combat damage, direct damage, etc. However... Uh, it's important to note that, uh, due to the rules of magic, if damage cannot be prevented, if it's uh, being dealt by a source that says it cannot be prevented, then the shield counter is removed, but the damage is not prevented. Okay. 
I think I got that. It's a little, it's a little, tri little, little wordy, little tricky there. Okay. Um, the example we have here are two and a blue for a two three. It's called Wing Shield Agent, and then it's a human soldier. Wing Shield Agent enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it, and whenever a Wing Shield Agent attacks, up to one other target creature gains flying until end of turn. So the shield counter could be kind of interesting. Now, <clears throat> when this enters the battlefield. Could this have two shield counters? Like Panharmonicon style? Uh, Panharmonicon. Let me reread. Let me do a quick read on Panharmonicon. It's been a while. Uh, I, I know. It's been, a, it's been a hot minute, and us commander players love it. But. <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> I liked it when it was a oh, standard. Yes, but there's so many more things. I know, I know that, that uh, Saffron Olive really loves this oh, card. Oh, yes. So Panharmonicon <laughs> says, if an artifact or creature entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Now on the creature that you mentioned, it says this creature enters the battlefield with a shield yes. counter on it. That is actually not a triggered ability. That is a replacement Oil. effect. So it, re it, it replaces the effect of the creature entering the battlefield with an effect of the creature enter the battlefield with a shield counter All right, on it. good to know, because you know what lots of commander players are going to do? They're going to play Panharmonicon in their shield deck, and they're going to think they're going to put two counters on their thing. So, anyway, that is very interesting to note. All right, audience, listen up. You just learned something there, because um, I was going... Because I learned <laughs> something, and I'm an idiot. Okay, so that's why... That's why well, what, just... Go ahead. <laughs> uh, let's see. Just to note, though, uh, that Panharmonicon will play nicely with Alliance. Oh! So my things have double death touch with Venom Connoisseur? Oh, boy! So um, you're, all your Fin the Fang bearer decks are going to go nuts now. I mean, uh, uh, attended <laughs> socially. Yeah, like things like... Okay, that's, that is very interesting with Alliance. Uh, and unfortunate for shield counters. All right. Um, the last the last <laughs> mechanic we have here is one that f commander players are probably familiar with, um, is hideaway. And what does hideaway do? So hideaway is actually a returning mechanic. Uh, hideaway first appeared in... Oh, I knew this. I should have written this down. I think it was Time Spiral. I think that's right. Uh, so Hideaway, yes, yeah, a long time ago now. The original wording for Hideaway was, uh, it was Hideaway, it implied four. Uh, basically, you could, when a creature with Hideaway entered the battlefield, you could look at the top four cards of your library, exile one of them face down, and put the rest on the bottom of your library. And the card with Hideaway on it would usually have a clause that told you how you could cast that exiled card. Well, it's been revamped for Streets of New Capenna, and now it's uh, Hideaway 5 that says when, when this card enters the battlefield, look at the top, I'm sorry, Hideaway N, when this card enters the battlefield, look at the top N cards of your library, exile one of them face down, then put the rest in the bottom in a random order. Uh, previous cards with the Hideaway ability uh, now have this permanent enters the battlefield tapped, because that also used to be part of the rules baggage. Uh, however, Hideaway no longer does that, so new Hideaway cards do not enter the battlefield oh, tabs. Oh, oh, I like that. Okay, 
Um, we have the example of cemetery tampering. Two and a black for an enchantment with hideaway five. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may mill three cards. Then if there are 20 or more cards in your graveyard, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost. Yeah. I like that card. And I like that ability. And I'm going to do I'm going to make sure I play that card and I'm going to do gross things with it. <laughs> yeah, Hideaway feels very demiry to me, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel that um, way to you? Well, this card does, but then we have cards like um, Rabble Rousing, which is another one. Where did it go? Uh, it's a white one, though. Rabble Rousing, Hideaway 5. For, sorry, 4 and a white enchantment, Hideaway 5. Whenever you attack with one or more creatures, create that many 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature tokens. Then, if you control 10 or more creatures, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost. So, like, Cemetery Tampering is definitely like a Demir or a Sultai... I'm thinking Sultai. I'm like, I'm that's where I'm going to go with it because um, I want to put it in my CDC deck. Um, but Rabble Rousing feels like just making, like, it's like a Boros deck or a Winota deck or something because this doesn't even make human tokens. It makes white and green citizen tokens, meaning you can put it in your Winota deck and they get to attack and you get Winota triggers. And that feels like what Winota wants to do. Indeed it does. And it even plays on curve with Winota, because Winota comes down on four, and then the next turn you, tap, you put Rabble Rousing into play and start attacking away some more and make more things, and like you're going to hit ten creatures real fast, and then you're going to cast the, whatever giant bomb you hid underneath Rabble Rousing. And that's how I build the deck. <laughs> so... Anyway, all right, those are all cool cards. Yeah. Any other, any last thoughts there, Liam, that you wanted to share about the mechanics from the set that, um, or sage advice for our players? Uh, not necessarily. One note on Hideaway, though. The reason I said Hideaway 5 is that this card, or I'm sorry, this ability appears on one cycle of cards. They're all at rare, and they all have Hideaway 5 on them yeah, in the set. They- uh, there is one. There is one additional card that shows up uh, with Hideaway Four, but that is uh, in the Commander right. deck, one of yes. the Commander decks. That is true stories. All right, let's get into some um, specific cards because there's some of these cards that are going to be kind of weird. Um, so Lux, do you want to start with the first one, Bootlegger Stash? Yep. Let me bring it up. No problem. Okay, so bootlegger stash for five generic and a green. You have an artifact, which is a mythic, and it says lands you control have tap, create a treasure token. So, can us as players now have the choice to tap our land for either a mana or to make the treasure token? Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, this card adds the ability tap, create, treasure token okay. to your lands. So they have both the mana generation ability and... But they don't ability. have both at the same time. I can't tap my mana to cast my land or elf and make a treasure token at the same time. That's correct. You can only tap it for one of those okay, things. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm greedy. <laughs> I was really hoping I could do both, but that doesn't make me a bad person. I, I think you agree. 
I mean, if you can find a way to untap your lands, you're golden. Yeah, those green players get greedy. Seedborn muse for days. <laughs> and thank goodness Prophet of Crufix is banned. Because that would be the most broken thing ever. Oh, but Seedborn Muse is yeah, pretty yeah. bad. Pretty bad. Seedborn Muse is bad enough. Um, but this is even dumber. <laughs> with like, oh my gosh. So Lux, are you imagining all the treasure tokens you're going to make with this card? That's all I can think about. Honestly, yes. All I, can, all I can see is me making treasure tokens for days. I just give up playing the game and make treasure tokens. Because, <laughs> honestly, like, imagine how happy you know Deathray would be if I put this in his deck. Deathray? Like, just treasure for oh, days. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be so much fun. Now, audience, the obvious low hanging fruit here bootlegger stash plus academy manufacturer and revel in riches, and you're done. Business, like the business is done. It's over. You've won the game. It's yeah. finished. So that's where that's where I'm thinking. Now, the moment you play in Revel and Riches, you better be able to end the game because you're gonna die. They're gonna look at you and they're gonna say, Yes, son of a and they're gonna get you. Just saying. Just being honest with you. All right. But that seems like how you win with this card. All right. Next. Falco Spera Pact Weaver. One green, white, blue. Legendary creature, bird demon. Sure, bird demons. Why not? Everyone loves an angry canary. Um, fl flying trample. It's a 3 3. Falco Spera Pact Weaver enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. We talked about shield counters. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. This has. This is promising. You may cast spells to the top of your library by removing a counter. From a creature you control, in addition to paying their other costs. So my question is this: This I want to cast things to the top of my deck. Now, correct me. Can I? Can this be any counters on a creature, not just shield ones, but like? Uh, that's right. A, a counter from a creature you control. Oh, thank you, thank you up there. Okay, so audience, uh, go and find your fallen empire's bulk. And go and find Ication Money Changer. I think it's Ication Money Changer. <laughs> it is a bad card. And it is objectively terrible. Okay? But listen, listen, listen to this terrible card. So, Ication Money Changer. One white for a 0-2. It's a human. Ication Money Changer enters the battlefield with three credit counters on it. Yeah, three credit counters. When Acacia Money Changer enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to you. Big deal. Whatever. You're playing commander. We have 40 life. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a credit counter on Acacia Money Changer, and the rest of the text doesn't matter. This is just making dumb counters that you're going to now cash in with Falco for all the cards on the top of your deck. All right? Um, can I use cards that have been suspended, Liam? So, unfortunately, you cannot, because this does say a creature you control, and creatures are always permanents. Suspended cards are in exile. Oh, I so wanted to cast my Greater Gargadon faster. Okay, all right, so no Greater Gargadon. Sorry about that. I'm sad now. Okay, but, we can, but I could do things <laughs> with, like, time counters with cumulative upkeep, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, cumulative upkeep cards generate a plethora of counters on their own. So yes, here's, a, here's a, a good one there, audience, from like a million years ago, from Weatherlight. 
for Arboroth. Four green, green for a 9 9. Cumulative upkeep. Put a minus one, minus one counter on Arboroth. So now Falco is going to let you remove those, those minus one, minus one counters from Arboroth in, in order to draw cards. And we now have found a 9 9 for six mana with no drawbacks. That seems like fun, right? Lux, are you in? I might. Yeah. Yeah. So this feels like just the funniest thing ever, like folks. This is like the proliferate bad tokens deck and is going to be a gas and you're going to like <laughs> I I you're going to going to swarm the board with bad tokens if you can about like all sorts of cards if you can protect Falco Sparrow. So Falco seems cool. I'm sad about my greater Garganon. I wanted to cast it, but it's not in play. It's in exile, and I'm still sad about it. Okay. Anyway, moving on to my next favorite card I want to abuse. Lux, Halo Fountain. And for two and a generic and a white, and you get an artifact, and one white tap, untap, a tapped creature you control, create a 1-1 one, one green white citizen creature token. In two white, tap. Untap two and attack the creatures you control. Draw a card. And five white, tap. Untap 15 tapped creatures you control. You win the game. So the question here becomes, um, can I untap this the way I think I can with Clock of Omens and start using all the treasure tokens I made with the bootslicker stash up above to now tap them and untap my fountain to now infinitely tap my like untap and untap my creatures and my and things does this work the way i think it does yes unfortunately it so does we just found paradox <laughs> engine again everybody this is what we found we've built a paradox engine to win you the game um this is going to do gross some super gross things there um oh yeah Oh yeah, no, like I am going to abuse this, this is, big time. This is a this card is cracked in half and is going to and like no one's even gonna play it for they like that 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 win condition. Now that win condition does it it's not like like this can I can win condition on instant speed on my opponent's turn, right? Like if I had so, it looks that way. If you have enough mana so to I do can it, make then yeah. 15 tokens on instant speed with a secure the wastes and then untap them because they all come into play and I use the cryptolith right on the table to make five white mana to untap yeah okay instant speed kills everybody this card is broken yeah they yeah they, you're gonna have to find some way of protecting it because odds are they people are not going to let this stay on the field no, this is gonna get killed fast Someone's going to know you're up to no good with this card, and you are going to lose it. And it's going to be like, but if you just imagine, Lux, I want the I want the picture of the dude's face when you get him on end step before he untaps. I'm like, oh no, you're dead. I win. Like that's like oh, it's so good. I can see it now, and I'm sure it won't be nearly as satisfying when it actually happens, like for the fourth time. But the first time you get the table with this card so sweet but even then like this the the second ability where you're untapping two creatures to draw to draw you cards like when did white get card draw 
And when did white get cards that like have cards that come like untap and do broken things again? Like this feels so wrong. Like this doesn't feel like a white card. It feels like a blue untappy shenanigans card. And it feels so wrong and like, awesome all at once. Like it's just good to see white getting card draw. Yeah, so you could play legitimately play white. Anyway, um, is there anything else we have? I forgot. Like we overlooked here, Liam, with Halo Fountain. That judges might say, "Watch out, there, boys. This, there's there's a there's a hitch here." Or does this like literally play as clean as I think it does? Uh, not that I can think of. I think this is pretty much it's what you broken. think it is. Broken. That's what I think. This is broken. Yeah. yeah. All right, folks. Go get your Halo Fountains now. All right. This one, this next one is very strange. This is Luxier Giada's or Giada's gift. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but anyway, one generic for legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each counter on it. Equipped permanent isn't a planeswalker and is a creature in addition to its other types. Loyalty abilities can still be activated. I should have read the card. Equip planeswalker for one. Equip creature for three. <laughs> so now my planeswalkers are creatures. Well, just the one that has this equipped, okay. yes. Hey, um, does that mean that my opponent can no longer attack it? Uh, it can't, uh, cannot, uh, you're, that's right, it cannot be attacked with creatures. Wow. Fox, does that not feel like, um, like, we just made Planeswalkers a lot better in Commander? Honestly, it does. Like, like, everyone knows the number one problem with Commander, like, Planeswalkers and Commander, is that with three opponents, somebody's going to attack it. It's really, really hard to protect your walker. And now you don't have to protect it. You yeah. slap a Luxier Giada's gift on it, and it can't get attacked down. Sure, your opponent's got to spend an actual card to kill it. Like, they can board wipe and kill it, or they can murder it. But now they're having to spend an actual piece of cardboard out of their hand instead of just using the, the resources they already have on the table. And it feels pretty good. Now, once my Planeswalker is a creature, can it carry other equipment too? Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, equip, the ability word means uh, tap however many mana to attach this as equipment to a creature. So, so what Any happens at if all? I remove Luxier's gift, but I leave my Sword of Fire and Ice on it? Does the fire, Sword of Fire and Ice stay on my Planeswalker, or does it fall off? Oh, that's an excellent question. Let me just no look problem. up the rule real quick. That seems like a pretty, like, I don't know if that's neat or not, or just stupid, but um, it feels like a neat loophole that maybe if you want to, like, give your creature protection from red and blue, that you want your four, Sword of Fire and Ice on your Planeswalker... That was a creature a moment ago, and now is not. But I could be stupid on that one. Uh, yeah, so it looks like the equipment will fall off when uh, the, the permanent is no All longer I have a to creature. Say here is, Damn it! <laughs> Again, I was like, like, am I lost? <laughs> It's like they it's like they thought ahead on this stuff. It's like they made the rules so that you couldn't abuse yeah. that. I don't, I don't understand. I to stop cheating or something. <laughs> Play fair. Jeez. Uh, and this is awesome. That's no fun. Where's the fun in playing fair? Jeez. All right. right. 
So good, good to know. Fair good dex. to know. I guess so. When you watch someone equip a sword of fire and ice, they take the luxier off. You know, they lose the sword has to go and get dropped too. Anyway, all right. Uh, is there anything else? Like this is a really unique ability on a card. Is has we have you ever seen anything similar to it in the time that we've had planeswalkers? Like I I can't think of anything any even remotely comparable. I don't believe that I've ever seen a card that changes a planeswalker into a creature that is not Gideon. So in terms of equipment, it's well, certainly I mean, there's a Sarkon that turns planeswalkers into dragons, but but don't uh, they stay planeswalkers? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not the rules guy. I think, oh, I think that's all like, right, that's okay. the one from War of the Spark that turns all your planeswalkers into four four red dragons. I think. Unless I've under, misunderstood how that one works. Sarkon Dragonlore, uh, Soka, uh, Sarkon Masterless? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so until end of turn, each planeswalker you control becomes a 4 4 red dragon creature and gains flying. Yes, so the way this is written, they would remain planeswalkers because oh. when a card. Adds a type. It it's not does not replace oh, the types that are already there. Good to know. We learned something new today, folks. Wow. All right. Thank you. Cool. Oh. That's why. That's why Luxior specifies uh, equipped permanent isn't a planeswalker. Oh. Well, there we go. I'm. This, I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm go. always glad we bring judges on, and this is one, another, yet another reason why. Okay. All right, Lux Obnixilis, or better yet, as Mob Nixilis. <laughs> Read it for us. Okay, Obnixilis, the adversary, for one, a uh, black and a red, a three planeswalker, Nixilis, uh, three loyalty, casualty X, the copy isn't legendary and uh, has starting loyalty X, plus one, each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card, if you control a demon or devil, you gain two life, minus two, create a one-one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. And minus seven, target player draws seven cards and loses seven oh life. God. This card is cracked. Okay, before you get going, Liam, this thing is cracked. So, I don't really have a rules question because I think the rules questioning is thing is reasonably straightforward. Like you can you you can use casualty with any creature on the battlefield. So if you have a one tough one power creature, you're getting an Omnixilis copy with one loyalty. If you have a big old dragon, you're going to sacrifice. It's going to be Omnixilis with six loyalty, right? Um, what were they thinking? Yes. That's my question here. Like, what were they doing when they know that Planeswalkers <laughs> are a very powerful card type to fool around with? What were they doing? Why? They were thinking. They were thinking that black red needs a free oh gristle brand, essentially. Yeah, I mean, that's what this is going to be. All right, audience. Like, let's be clear. If you're doing the the Omnixilis, you are going to casualty some giant demon, and immediately ultimating the co the copy for seven new cards. Like that is. There's no alternative here. That's just what you're going to do. 
and this card is going to feel absolutely broken in half because if friend Was too powerful for command. Not even fair. Now we gotta kill two of them. Anyway. Okay. Next, we have Urabrask, Heretic Praetor. So, three red, red for a 4 4 legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor. It has haste because it's red, so it has to have haste. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, next time they would draw a card this turn, instead they exile the top card of their library. They may play it this turn. So, now, this sort of, in my mind, wants to go in two different ways there, Liam. The first way is, like, how does this, does this impact my opponent the way I think it does, whereby it means that their, their draw for the turn isn't actually a draw so much as it is exiling the top card and they can just cast it. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So basically that second ability at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, the next time they would draw a card this turn, instead they exile the top card of their library and they may play it this turn. Is it, uh, what that does is it sets up a delayed replacement effect. So what happens is, uh, at the beginning of the upkeep, this ability goes on the stack, it resolves, and then the next time that they would draw a card, instead, they do this other thing. Now, generally, that's going to be the draw step, since it comes right after upkeep, but there is a short window where they could cast a draw spell during their upkeep and get that so, replacement effect early, thus so being able to draw a card as well. Before their draw step, and that would be the draw phase that ends up being... Um, you pushed into the exile zone and they draw their card for turn, right? Okay. Right, um, that's right. So there there is there's a there's a little bit of an out, but it's not uh Okay. It's a very small window. So <laughs> it doesn't truly lock them out of their draw step without additional work done by us. And let's be honest, folks, if you're playing this, you have bad intentions. Okay? You're intending to lock them out of their draw step. <laughs> Because what you're going to do is you're going to play Urabrask in a deck where you also have Narset or some other card that won't let them draw their other uh. cards that turn. And you're going to be a bad person. So it'll be like Notion Thief or... Uh, I guess it's not going to be Hull Breacher because Hull Breacher won't let you do that but uh, anymore. <laughs> because Hull Breacher is banned. But that's what this is going to do, right? Like, you are playing this with bad intentions... Because you're not going to let your opponents draw. Okay? So that's one angle to this card. How does this card interact when you have... I don't know how many ways you have to create multiple upkeep phases. But does this... Like, Paradox Haze is a card that I found that says... 
you can enchant player at the beginning of enchanted player's first upkeep each turn. A player gets an additional upkeep step after this step. So now you've created a secondary upkeep for yourself. Meaning now Urbras is going to reveal two cards for you. Is that right? That's right. Since it's worded like at the beginning of your upkeep, uh, that can also be read as at the beginning of each upkeep that you control. So if you have two upkeeps during okay, your turn, so it's going folks, to trigger this twice. This is going to go in red blue decks, and you're going to make people miserable. And that's okay. I'm here for it. But don't tell, like, don't start playing Urabrask and tell me, oh, it's the bad Praetor. I'm not sure he's a bad Praetor. <laughs> he's just not gin. He's a very good he's boy. He's a very good he's boy. Ginger taxes. <laughs> and not everybody wants a ginger taxes. That's right. Just saying. You could put gin in the deck with him. And now we're having, now we're talking real misery. Oh, wouldn't that be just the most miserable thing? You lock your opponents out of their draw step. So oh, they man. reveal with Urabrask like on, the, on that exile, but now it's an instant or sorcery that they can't even cast because Jin's going to counter it. Does that not feel absolutely awful? Feels. Uh, it depends well, on whether or not you're the player with Jin. Like, I feel like this is going to be the sort of card that makes people very miserable and very salty at the, on, the, on, the, on the battlefield. So, anyway. All right, uh, Lux, we've got Endless Detour. Okay, for a green, a white, and a blue, instant, the owner of a target spell, non-land permanent, or a card in a graveyard puts it on the top or bottom of their library. So, my, my question with this one was, this is like a really weird card. Um, why is it worded this way? Like, what is there, like, what is in the rules that is making us want have this card worded in this way because it's not quite regrowth it's not quite tuck it's not quite a bounce spell but it kind of feels like they tried to smush all three together into the same text box and it feels really weird is there is there yeah there's a counter spell that that is was it remand i think that returns the the spell to your hand. This one actually puts it on the top or bottom of the library. This is this is a pretty powerful I, card. I think it I is think. too, but it's not necessarily as intuitive as like counterspell. Because <laughs> it's like, but it's a huge tempo swing for sure. Like they're gonna like if they go for the, like their yeah. If they go for torment of hailfire for big mana. You can now tuck it on the bottom of their deck. Right? That feels really... Right. Like, that's, like, as bad as getting rid of it. That's worse, even. I mean, it essentially is, right? The only thing you can do that's worse than well, that is rip it in like, half. You can Void Shatter and Exile it, which feels bad, too. But putting on the putting it on the bottom of your deck that's feels, true. like... In Commander, that's probably worse than... Putting it uh, then, then countering it like straight up. <laughs> so it's like now it's yeah, that's a good point. And you're yeah, oh yeah, it's it's worth it's worth much much less in the bottom oh, yeah. of a deck than it is yeah, in the graveyard back, so. for sure. No matter what it is. Um, wow, this like this is just a real. It's a really cool card, there, audience. Like, it's not. I don't think this. Is, I think this is going to be a rather skill intensive card. 
but people who are going to be able to play it and play it well are going to love it. And then there's going to be lots of players that are going to look at this and go, what do I do with this piece of crap? Right? Like, Lux, like... Oh, go ahead. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm really excited for three-color decks uh, in Constructed again, especially in Standard. I, See, it's been a while. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm excited for them, but I miss my Siege Rhinos. I was the Ab- I was the Abzan player, and I want, I want my Siege Rhinos to be good again. The Siege Rhinos aren't Siege Rhinos aren't good. I mean, we we, we can roll can zero. Can I play with four of them again okay. in my deck? It's okay. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, in your well, commander deck, I don't I don't see why not. Many, I can't play four of them, but. <laughs> And the, speaking of Siege Rhino, could you imagine how broken it would be if it had a certain line of text like a certain one-man cards do? Like Shadowborn Apostle or Persistent Can I rule zero that into my Siege Rhino deck? Mm. Can I have a... Can I, can I have four? I, I don't see why not. I, I heard, I heard the rule zero covers pretty much everything. I can just say, they just imagine being able to run, like, oops, all Siege Rhinos. I love it. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, um... I'm running 36 Fantastic. Siege Rhinos in my deck. I'm sorry, you are doing what? Yep, 36 Siege Rhinos. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they, I'm sorry, but I really hope you guys didn't plan on having fun tonight. <laughs> no, one's, no one likes to right. rain repeatedly over and over and over again. Anyway, okay. Oh, Back to the real world. We have Aaron Street Artist. Lux, you want to read it? Thank you. Hold on, let me bring it up. That's weird, too. This is really weird. I, I don't know what to say about this card. Anyway. No, not Endless Detour. The next one, Aaron Street, Aaron Street Artist. Okay. And that's what I'm bringing up. Okay, Aaron Street Artist for one blue, legendary creature, human rogue. And zero three with flash as defender and haste and one generic and blue tap copy target spell you controlled that wasn't cast you may choose new targets what for the copy. What does that text mean? Like, am I copying a copy with this card? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. So a, a spell is only a spell when it's on the stack. So <coughs> there's only a few ways that things can be put on the stack. Primarily by casting them or by copying something that's okay, already on the so, stack. Go ahead, Lux. See. This is. Just, honestly, they, how how does this work exactly? They, how can you copy something that isn't well, on the stack? Well, I mean. So you're copying. Right, no, you copy, can't. It has right, to be on the stack. Like you didn't cast the copy, you, were, you created a copy through some means. You ca- like, I think it's like you're. Ca- like, is this going to allow you to copy the casualty card of, of a card? No, that no, doesn't work. I don't. Know. This weird. This is. I can't. I can't think of yeah. anything I would expect it's except really, for copies. Really weird. Like super strange. And like, I don't even know what to say. Like I don't even know what this card does. I'm sure somebody smarter than me will find a way to to abuse the living bejeebus out of it. And I'm going to just sit there looking dumbfounded, but like, I'm gonna, I don't know what this card is doing. 
like legitimately it doesn't make doesn't it doesn't make sense to me um because copying a spell that i put there right i can't put into play right because that because that's not using the stack um so if i copy if i copy something with lithoform engine does that work like if i copy i don't know man like just it's a really really strange card and you know what else I just realized reading this card right now? This is a one man legendary creature. What is that? This is a legendary creature, meaning this could be your commander. And for one mana, meaning yeah. you're going to turn on all those Mox Ambers. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Magecraft. Yeah, Magecraft. Uh, it tribal. feels like this is out of the I... wrong set. Like, this should be, it should have been a strict saving card. It's like a year too late, and it feels really weird. I feel like, I feel like it would have been a little strong if it was in the same set because eventually Strixhaven's well, going to no, rotate out. No this will still be it, right? Like it's going to be, but I feel like it doesn't. It doesn't jive with what we've seen here, except for the casualty mechanic. So, like, my inclination is this: this seems to be a card that's going to want to play with casualty cards, but. I, I don't know if we're going to be allowed to do that. Anyway, so it feels really strange. I don't know what to say about that. So, anyway. Really weird card. Um, it doesn't work with Cascade, does it? It is. No, Cascade uh, right. says so you can cast work. without paying the cost. Um, so that's a cast. doesn't work. What other ways do we have to... Storm? No. Does it, co does it copy Storm cards? Oh. Uh. Storm does copy, so yeah. Now, would copy that up my storm count some more? <laughs> no, it doesn't, does it? Curse it! No. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to break the card. I can't do it. Anyway, all right. Um, it, it is one of those cards that makes you really want to break it, though, doesn't it? It's just weird enough that you think it's, it's got to be something be really weird, weird you can do with this card. It, it's going to be like, oh, no. Why didn't I think of that? Because I've been looking at the card for weeks now, and now it's doing gross things. So, anyway. In the meantime, the rest of us are going to go shrug our shoulders. I don't know. And we're going to move on to Evolving Door. Um, this card is uh, two and a green <laughs> for an artifact. And it says, one, tap, sacrifice creature, count the colors of the sacrifice creature, then search your library for a creature card, that's exactly that many colors plus one. Exile that card, then shuffle. You may cast the exiled card. Activate only as a sorcery. This is like a birthing pot effect that is broken. <laughs> like, so <clears throat> I think that when I want to sacrifice my green white citizen token to go and find any three color creature in my deck. That I'm going to laugh hysterically. One mana, tap this sack of token that's probably good for nothing, and then going to get something that's real scary. So, now, does it have to be a creature? Creature card. So, I could go and get, like, I could go and sack yeah, this in my, card. like, um, in a deck where I'm playing uh, Niv Mizzet Reborn and use it to go find, like, a scary three-colored dragon in it, or something like a Nickel Bulls Ravager. 
Does that mean does that mean me a bad person? That I'm stacking one 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 green white tokens for Nickel Bulls Ravager? Probably, right? I'm not sure that any individual act that you've mentioned this evening makes you a bad person. Collectively, but, you know, combined. Collectively, I'm just a bad there person. might be an argument for that. Um, now, can I? So, um, I don't know how many cards exist. <laughs> but like, but like, can I go get things with like hybrid mana costs with that with that card I sacrifice? So, if I want to go and get like one of the cards from Bant that had three, like had like a three color mana cost from the original Alara set, could I use? My green white token to go get one of those. Yeah, so hybrid mana counts as two colors okay, for the purposes so of what color is like that card? Blue, white, and green, but with a, like one of them's a hybrid. I can go and use that. That's really all three colors represented. I can go and mm -hmm. okay, okay. There's some so potential colors, here. Yeah. This is going to do gross things. This is going to do very gross things as a tutor, folks. This is a tutor. And we all know art like tutors do disgusting things. You are all going to do disgusting things with this, and you're going to tutor for cheap, and it's going to go into exile, right? Like this doesn't say anything about like the card disappears when the card is now in exile. Like if you lose evolving door, I can still cast the creature from from my commands or from my exile zone, correct? Yeah, so the wording is you may cast the exiled card. That is part of the right. original, that is part of the, the single ability of this card, and so it happens as uh, an effect of the resolution of, of the effect. If the evolving door is removed uh, before right. the so effect resolves, the effect still resolves. You've now protected your, whatever piece you went to go tutor up. It can't be, really hard to, to mess with it in exile. There's a few ways, but not very many. Um, mm -hmm. Like those processors from uh, Battle for Zendikar might have some way to meddle with this. Yeah. But essentially it's untouchable now. You're you've tutored up a card that can't be that can't be stripped from your hand, discarded. Like it's just that's as good. This card is really underwhelming. like it looks underwhelming and I think it's gonna be really, really potent because you're gonna go and sack like derpy tokens. Whether it's going to be like a a, a, a monocolored creature, like a monocolored like a bat token or a a, a soldier token, um, I think in Naya, like the tokens created by Assemble the Legion, is going to be a free source of sack fodder. And if you can untap your evolving door too, you're going to be just tutoring up all the things from your deck and putting them in your putting them in exile to just go ham, like. But one thing I should uh, clarify is because the wording is you may cast the, the exiled card, and it's part of the resolution of the spell. You have to cast it when the spell resolves. Oh. You can't like leave it in exile. If you choose to leave it in exile and not cast it, uh, then it just stays in exile. Oh, I, I only you, have you only have a limited okay. amount of time to cast it. That's okay. That's still interesting. Right. It's still a tutor. It's still very powerful. So yeah, mm -hmm. good. Uh, could I get something? Does it have to be one color more, or could it be the same number of colors? Okay. It does say exactly that many colors plus one, so, so it has to be one color more. Right. 
So if you if you, sacri- if you sacrifice right. a five color card, you're going to have a sad. That's that's fair. Okay, cool. Right. All right. Um, okay. Next, we have Jaxus. Go ahead, Lux. For three and a red, legendary creature, human warrior, two, three. And one red, tap, discard a card. Create a token that's a copy of another target creature you control. It gains haste, and whenever this creature dies, draw a card. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next instep. Activate only as a sorcery. And then blitz one and a red. So this... My thought with this was that these Blitz cards plus Obeka Brute Chronologist seemed like too good to be true. Does, would Obeka mean I don't need to sacrifice my creatures to the Blitz trigger? Uh, so what happens is uh, you, you do have an opportunity to end the turn with the sacrifice effect on the stack at the beginning of the next end step. If you end the turn with a sacrifice effect on the stack, then the sacrifice effect will be removed from the stack and it will not be re-triggered, and you'll be able to keep your blitz Okay. Card. But that's the only condition. Okay. You have to do it now, with a sacrifice trigger so, on the stack. Okay, so I do it like that, and then I, then I can keep my Jaxes or my other blitz creature. Now, the, it's done. I don't need to sacrifice it ever again. But there is, but you're saying that there is a time that if right. I do it wrong and activate Obeka too early, before that trigger has gone on the stack, the next time I have an end step, I have to sack. Correct? Oh, it's not just your end steps; it's the next end step. So your opponent's end step would be the where, place where it would die. Because I keep getting foiled. <laughs> but there, so there is a timing, be there is a way in the timing <laughs> of this card to get it wrong and still have to sacrifice it. But Obeka could allow you to That's circumvent right. that. Uh, they put the trigger on this. You put the sacrifice trigger on the stack, and you activate Obeka, ending the turn. Trigger dissipates. It fizzles out. You don't have to sacri- sacrifice Jaxus, and everybody's happy except my opponent. Okay. Okay. Right. Obeka just Except got cooler. Duda, <laughs> duda. Um, okay. Um, next. Alex, any other question about Jaxus? Or did you that sort of sum it up? Okay. We have Ginny Faye, Jetmir Second, which is a cool Naya card. Uh, so, uh, Gruul Hybrid, Green, Slesnia Hybrid, a Legendary Creature, Elf Druid. If you would create one or more tokens, you may cr- instead create that many 2-2 green cat creature tokens with haste, or that many 3-1 green dog creature tokens with vigilance. Okay, now this is a replacement effect, right? Because of the you may instead clause. So, um, when I'm making tokens, correct. any yes. tokens, I get dogs or cats now. I can get dogs and cats. So when I'm when I make treasure tokens, yes. I can make dogs. You may. Locks. This is broken yes. again. We're breaking the game. Mm. Okay, so yeah. let's play the situ- situation where <laughs> you are playing this Naya themed deck. You have a parallel lives, an anointed procession, and a doubling season, and all the other goodies. Well, like no, but this is the 
this is oh, the God. deck that does it, right? This deck <laughs> is going to run all those things, and then you're going to play yeah. like yeah. a bootlegger stash and make a million things. And you're untapping them all with Seaborn Muse. And, oh, man, I'm going to have to build this deck, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're making a, mi a million cats and dogs. Just cat dog for days. And then what yeah, does Rin and Siri dog. say? Oh, Rin and Siri. What does Rin and Siri say? Where did they go? It was the dog cat friends. Ah, I lost it. Rin and Siri. No, it's Ren and Siri, isn't it? No, the dog cat Ren commander and Stimpy, combo. But I know that's not what you're saying. One of the core sets, which is a buy box promo, which is like Naya colored, Naya colored doggies, and uh, okay. Oh yes. Um, now what happens with Lithoform Engine? I'm going to make copies of things. Trionic Resonator. I'm confused. Like, there's a lot of like Ginny's going to get broken. Ginny. So, okay. so Rin. Yeah, sorry, Rin and Siri. I have it here. <laughs> if you want to hear it, uh, obviously, uh, it's uh, red, green, white, and one. Whenever you cast a dog spell, create a one-one green cat. Whenever you cast a cat spell, create a one-one white dog. But for red, green, white, and tap, Rin and Siri, inseparable deals damage to any target equal to the number of dogs you control oh and you gain life so equal to the number of cats you control. <laughs> so, okay, so Ginny Faye yeah. is... Okay, all yeah. right. I like it. I'm a fan. Cat Dog Tribal just went crazy. Just your, went crazy. Your cat Dog Tribal. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like Renaziri... It says Dog Cat on it. But I uh -oh, feel like it should have said Cat Dog. All right. Oh, oh he's got to go. That's okay. We will, we'll finish up the show. Oh, we'll Lux. All right, so we have professional facebreaker. Lux sends his regards. Everybody's got to go get his puppers. All right. Um, so professional facebreaker, two and a red uh, creature, human warrior with menace. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, create treasure tokens. Wow. Okay, or make cats and dogs or whatever. And then sacrifice a treasure, exile the top card of your library. You may play <laughs> that card this turn. So I can just keep sacking tokens this turn for the impulse draw, right? Uh, yes, that is, you can do that an yeah, unlimited number right. of times. Seems as many crazy, treasures as you have. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, this card's going to also get see a lot of play, because um, Smothering Tide is a thing. Um, and we're going to make lots of treasure tokens again. And then, last mm -hmm. but not least, we have Rocco Cabaretti Caterer. Uh, we have, which is a, uh, <clears throat> X, red, green, white, legendary creature, elf, druid. Is a 3 1 is an uncommon, folks. This is an uncommon. This is what this, this uncommon does. When Rocco Cavaretti Caterer um, shows up to cater your event uh, and enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you may search your library for a creature card with mana value X or less <laughs> and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Okay. So, Rocco, so mm -hmm. this is Court of Calling, right? <laughs> Now, the creature I mean, yeah. that I go yeah. and get with Rocco cannot be countered by a counterspell or swan song or, well, song doesn't work, but, like, you get what I mean. Like, it can't be countered by, 
the vast majority of counter spells. Yeah, no. There are some. Well, I mean, a counter spell, a counter spell counters spells that are on the stack. They can counter. They can counter Rocco, okay. but they cannot counter a card that's okay. being placed directly. But on if my opponent doesn't have that and they have a stifle, can you stifle the trigger? Like the trigger on this? I'm thinking because there's that quick. the crab, the mirror shell, whatever from uh, Kamigawa has a stifle, stifle-like effect that is at common in a recent set that is going to be in many decks, and people are going to feel very sad if the stupid crab stifles their their cool court of calling play. So it says stifle. Counter target activated or triggered ability. And so no, it would not affect this ability what because this, ability this is not called? a activated or triggered ability. Uh okay, so it doesn't This isn't in terms of the battlefield effect. Okay, so you just get to have giggles and do no. do Rocco things and you hope your your opponents are all tapped out of blue and you're going to have a good time. Okay. <laughs> now now, talk about a card that plays oh, nicely no. with Panamonicon. Oh, yeah! So this is going to be... So if I spend X with a Panamonicon on the battlefield, I can go get two things worth X. That's gross. Wow. Right. Are you sure you don't want to play Commander? This is something we like. something <laughs> truly, truly heinous to do. I, and I'm I, a fan. I, I really, I think Commander's a great format. I just, I never got into it, and uh, since the pandemic, I haven't been playing any in-person magic, so it's been hard to, although I, I am I am working with some folks Yay! to get a Commander deck built, so hopefully I'll be you able to play on webcam pretty soon. That's my, that's my goal. And... <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about Rocco and a yeah. I should have, because that's funny. I like it. All right, we will let's do one last card and then we're gonna we'll move to get out of here because it's already late. So we have Keza Augur of Agony, sure. which is a cool name. Um, so sh- one white, blue, black legendary creature, Cephalid Advisor, as a three four. Cephalid, I know, not even a not even Cephalid. A Ooh. But so whenever you draw a card, target opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So this card this is this is this is a mean card. <laughs> Alright, this is real huh. mean. Does this work the way I think it does with Lich's, Lich's Mastery? And Dro- and Skull Reaver. So Lich's Mastery says um, So whenever you gain life, draw that many cards. Oh, yeah, whenever you lose there. life for each one Good. life you lost, exile permanent you control. But so you gain a life. So if you can trigger this Keza on your draw step. And then, so you're going to gain a life, you draw a card. And then you get, since you drew a card, you gain a life. You drew a life, gain a life, you draw a card, and you ping pork back and forth, and your opponent loses a life every time. Is this, is it? Yes. This, this makes total sense in a one-on-one game. In a commander game, though, you're going to die. 
<laughs> you're going to take out at most one opponent, right? Because you're taking a point. Yeah. Uh, or rather, you're, you're. Well, no, it's a hundred cards. There's you could. I can, yeah, you can take out two could opponents. Probably take out all three. Because in, 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 I mean, by the time you're triggering your Lich's mastery, like you're probably going to be at a point where many of your opponents have taken some damage. Particularly if somebody's playing like some sort of a, a, a more aggressive build, and you like pillow fort and you pillow fort, like you you let oh, your yeah. opponents do some work on each other, and they spend their life points on things like you know their shocklands and their fetches and whatever else they do, their ancient tombs, their mana crypts, whatever else they spend their life points on. And let me assure you, there's lots of things to spend your life points on. And then you use Kesa and Lich's Mastery and you just bleed the table out. And they go, oh, we lose. And you go, yes. Now, it's not a surefire... Yeah. Not a surefire yeah. win. There is a, there is room to mess this up. But... This seems pretty good. Um, the other... And the other one that works with this, folks, is Drogskull Reaver, which is also another one that plays well with this. Um, when it, so it says whenever you gain a life, draw a card. So this also mm -hmm. triggers Kesa. Um, now it's not even this isn't even a May on Kesa, is it? With whenever you draw a card, target opponent loses one life and you gain a card. Gain yeah. a life. So there's no way to actually stop this once it ha starts. So you better. No, you're gonna your, you're gonna you draw your whole deck or your, you know, oracle in hand. Or your five or five you million treasure tokens, so you can yeah. cast all your spells. I mean, that works. Yeah, well, you know, that's how we do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't oh, omniscience, good call. <laughs> that's how we do it. We're gonna do omniscience, man. We're not gonna go. <laughs> you just, Dude, you just guys get to do all the broken formats. things. That's Come awesome. <laughs> Come on over to the dark side. It's fine. It pushes. I mean, there's cards that end up interacting with one another that you never yeah. intended to interact with each other, and sometimes the game breaks. But most of the time, it's pretty good about it, and you can do some pretty ridiculous right. stuff. So, Keza is crazy. Keza is an uncommon. So, this is going to happen. Like, there are people who are going to do this. I also think the third the third card yeah. is Peer into the Abyss, Definitely. which I think is also just pure lunacy with this card. Peer into... The abyss. Yeah. Target player draws cards equal to half the number of the cards in a library and loses half their life round up each time. So I feel like you're No, there's no draw side. Yeah, you just, anymore. You, you just don't have a downside on that then, huh? So yeah, this is, you know, cute things yeah. you can do. That's pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's is, am I a bad person? I don't think so. But you're probably spot on, right? Spot on here, where I've identified a number of really greedy, <laughs> awful things to do to people, and I'm like, man, I'm a bad dude tonight. <laughs> like, but this is what this is what always happens when we have these sorts of shows with a judge. Like, I think of the most cockeyed way to just get greedy, and that's all it is. It's just pure unadulterated greed, and uh, it's funny. <laughs> Anyway, all right. That's all the cards. Is there anything that that, that you've um, sort of spotted in that our audience might be interested in being aware about 
uh, as they move towards pre-release this weekend and get their hands on real cards and to 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 play with. Are there any other cards that jumped off the table to you as new cards that players should be watching for and have peculiar uh, rules interactions? Okay. No, not yet. Um, I generally wait for the release notes to come out so I can review each card that way. So it's, well, I actually haven't have, seen many of the cards in the set. Like, I have to say, like this, that seems very, very powerful. Yeah, um, there's a lot of cards in here that are going to be very impactful to our format. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I, I would really, I really appreciate it on you, you taking the time to walk our audience through uh, what could be some of the more challenging interactions. Uh, so that you know, when people get their hands on cards and start building decks, they don't make the mistakes that you know I might make as I build decks like a greedy person. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's move to wrap up the show though tonight because we've been on for oh, over an hour and a half at this point. Um, so, Liam, if people wanted to reach out to you on social media, how could people get a hold of you? Uh, there are two really good ways to get a hold of me. One is on Twitter. My handle is at WRimers, R-E-I-M-E-R-S. And the other uh, far more fun way is on the Lotus Council yep. Discord, it's which I think you've provided in the, uh, in the show notes, uh, already. So if anybody wants to, uh, to get on board and reach out to Liam there, you're more than welcome to. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you like, you like the show tonight and you want to get more information about uh you know, our ideas for some of the cards, you can always email us at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. The link to that's going to be in the show notes. You can certainly find that. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Epic EXP Cast. And you can reach us to a, on, on Instagram through the same thing. Uh, Epic EXP Cast is the handle there. You can find all of our decks on moxfield.com. Uh, please use the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast, and you can find all of the 120 odd decks that we have brewed, um, all of them with a very high budget focus so that you don't break the bank. Um, also, wherever your favorite um, uh, po- podcast app, in which you like to uh, listen to us on, um, please, by all means, leave a question, leave a comment, like, follow, subscribe, whatever. Every little bit helps get the word out there that we are here talking to you each and every week about Commander, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, next week, we actually have another special guest on. We're going to have uh, Sneaky Pete going to be joining us. and uh, Sneaky Pete is a regular haunter of the uh, Lotus Council Discord and has got some great things to contribute to uh, our discussion around, uh, around Commander. But uh, that's going to be for next week. Now, before we sign off, everybody, if you want to get in on our draw or our Killian deck for part of our 100th episode, um, be sure when the show goes live on Twitter that you like, follow, and subscribe, uh, like and follow the, the, the post, that you follow us on Twitter, and that you uh, use the hashtag at, sorry, hashtag uh, epic exp cast so that we can find your retweet. All right? All right. That's going to wrap up this week's show. Thanks very much, everybody, for coming and spending the time with us. Thank you very much for Liam for, uh, for joining us. Um, and until next week, this is the sign. This is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off. Wishing you all the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Have a good week.